Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're really pleased to have you join us for the program. Here's Jeremiah, the, my opinion, the most successful prophet in the Old Testament. His opinion, the most unsuccessful prophet ever. Have you ever found yourself shaking your fist at God and crying, that's not fair? You're not the first. We've all been there at one stage or another. Even our friend, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, had a good whinge. He'd lived right. He'd done what God had asked, and it just wasn't working for him. Let's turn with Dr. Corbett to Jeremiah chapter 15 and find out about lodging a complaint with God. So we're in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 10. This this is the, the continuation of our Jeremiah series. You'll be thrilled to know that we're up to part 38 and um, we're on our, our journey to uh, part 200. We're in verse 10 and this is how to lodge a complaint with God. How to lodge a complaint with God. And we're going to look at this, this section here. This is Jeremiah's complaint and it says this, Woe is me. My mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. So how's Jeremiah feeling? Well, he's feeling as, as if everybody's against him. And why is he feeling that way? Because everyone was against him. And why were they against him? Because he was delivering the word of God. He was calling a people, a spiritual people, who should have, they should have been growing. They should have been growing. And in, not only were they not growing, they'd gone back. They'd walked away from where they should have been going. They let compromise in. You know what happens when you let one degree of compromise in? You keep going, you're light years away from where you should have been. This is why Christians continually need to be repenting. <laughs> we do, because we are creatures who drift. There are times when we just need to stop and say, Oh God, I don't think I'm walking with you. I found myself praying a lot this last week, and as I was, as I was I'm not sure if I was walking my dog or my dog was walking me, or whatever. I, I, was, I was walking with my dog, and I, I, just, I was crying out to God, Oh God, Please be with me. Please let your blessing be on me. Oh God, I want to move in your blessing. I want to. And then I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, "Hey, how about we swap that around a bit? How about instead of you praying for me to come and join you, how about you begin to pray that you might join me? And instead of asking me to bless you, why don't you just walk in my blessing? And I'm going, okay then, all right." Because there's a moment of uncomfortableness. Because if I'm asking God to come into my boat and I'm asking God to come with me, I, I, I know where I'm, well, this is where I'm going. But if I go, you want me to get into that? You want me to get into that boat? You want me to go with you? But I don't know where you're going. <laughs> I don't know if your boat will... What happens if the boat sinks? It's, I just want you to get a picture of what's happening here. Here's Jeremiah... Delivering the word of the Lord. Is he being faithful to God? Yeah, absolutely. Is he getting the kind of success he was hoping for? No. Next question. Is Jeremiah successful? 
Yeah, if he's faithful, he's successful. Next question. Does Jeremiah get this? No, he doesn't. And to be honest, and then I'll go back to preaching. Neither do I most of the time. Because I equate success in my picture with God's blessing. So here's, here's a point that I, I think should not be lost on us as we read this. Here's Jeremiah, the, my opinion, the most successful prophet in the Old Testament. His opinion, the most unsuccessful prophet ever. So this is something I think we need to get from this text. Firstly, even good, God-loving people will have down times. And everybody said, oh me. Because we do. We will have down times. But as someone has said, when you're walking with God, there are, there are times in your life when that walk goes through a tunnel. And sometimes you're not at the entrance, sometimes you're not at the end. But if you're in the middle of the tunnel, it's dark. But you've got to remember, you're in the middle of the tunnel. This is not the way it will be forever. And sometimes you, you, you'll have these experiences of life where it is dark. But you're in the middle of the tunnel. This is not the end game. It's the middle. And for Jeremiah, this right now is the middle of the tunnel. Cursed be my mother, which is what the word woe means. Cursed be my mother that bore me. Boy, this, is, this guy's having a really, really down day. So what happens when you're down? What happens when you're negative? What happens when you're tired? Remember, it was Elijah who had called down fire on uh, Mount Carmel and, and the prophets of Baal had been destroyed. And then, then Jezebel, this woman, says, oh, I'm going to kill Elijah. So Elijah runs and he's scared and he's running for his life and he hides in a cave. He's tired. He's dehydrated. He's depressed. Elijah wanted to die. Now, that was an expression of depression. Now, you know that when you're really down, you see no point to going on. But please go on. You're in the middle of the tunnel. And I've got to tell you now, this world is a much better place for having you in it. Really, it is. And Elijah cries out to God, my life is not worth living. Take my life. How does God respond? <sighs> a raven. A raven drops a what we would call a hot cross bun. It was a fruit cake, a little fruit bun at the feet. Oh, God, I want to get a stupid bird. Get it. No. Takes him down to the brook. He draws some water, has a fruit bun, and says to him, get some rest, change your diet, and stop drinking alcohol and drink water. And here's Jeremiah in this predicament in his life. And this is what I think we need to know. We need to recognize the road signs in the middle of the tunnel. Because the road signs look like this. When you are down, your perspective on life becomes distorted. Doesn't it? Verse 11. The Lord said to me, have I not set you free for their good? Now notice that this is God speaking. 
Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Now, what, what time of trouble? What time of distress? What enemy? See, this is a part of the problem for Jeremiah. He's been telling the people, an enemy is coming. You're going to come into a time of distress and a time of trouble. And the people are going, on you, Jeremiah, you've been carrying on about this for 14 and a half chapters and none of it has happened. None of it. You're a false prophet, Jeremiah. And God says to Jeremiah in the midst of his depression, Jeremiah, the distress, the trouble and the enemy that's coming. I've organized it so that you won't be a victim of it. I have set you free. The ESV has a, an, a, a really interesting rendering in the English. I have pleaded. Uh, have I not pleaded for you? Isn't that interesting? God pleading. But then don't we remember Jesus saying that to Peter? Remember that? I, Satan has wanted to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded for you that your faith would not fail. So God reassures. And so this is the point that when we look to the Lord, he always sustains those who serve him. He always. So when it's tough, the scriptures promise us that God will not allow us to go through anything that we cannot get through. That's what it says. So God always sustains those who look to him. Verse 12. Can one break iron, iron from the north and bronze? This is an interesting, what the, just a bit random. Like, what is this about? Well, it's interesting that, that <coughs> Judah, uh, Jeremiah's countrymen, were very um, undeveloped as far as metallurgy goes. And as a result, they actually believed that if you uh, smelted the iron with bronze, you actually strengthened the bronze, uh, the the iron. Now, if you know anything about metallurgy, if you put bronze as one of the most malleable metals there is, it's, it's not a strong metal at all. I mean, who goes to war with bronze swords? And Jeremiah is told that he's being made into iron from the north against this people of iron and bronze. So it looks like they're winning. But Jeremiah, the harder of the medals will win. And isn't this amazing that so many people have announced the death of the church today. The church is now irrelevant. The church no longer has a place in society. Isn't that amazing? We're still here. Praise God. Somebody say, oh, well, back in the days when the Spirit of God was moving. What are you talking about? The Spirit of God is moving today. Yeah, but we didn't see the froth and bubble in our service. Froth and bubble. Give me mature Christians who are feeling and sensing the word of the Lord and having the Holy Spirit take that and grip their lives and bring fruitfulness. Bang! I should have done that because of the microphone. Boom! Come on! Now, you see, God is saying, I've set you free. The disaster is coming. I have ensured your freedom. Here's a little snippet to part 200. The Babylonians come in. They destroy the city and Nebuchadnezzar orders his, 
his uh, chief of staff, a man by the name of Nebuzaradan. <laughs> Say that with <laughs> mouthful of marbles. Nebuzaradan looks out for Jeremiah. This is really interesting because he goes around the city and says, where is Jeremiah? He finds Jeremiah in prison, releases Jeremiah and says to Jeremiah, the king of Babylon has said to me, has authorized me to tell you, you can have whatever you want. Now, I don't know what you think of as the word freedom, but that sounds like it right there to me. Now, interestingly, Jeremiah uses that freedom. How does he use that freedom? He says, no, thank you. Which is an interesting understanding of Christian liberty. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Jeremiah goes down to Egypt and you'll have to wait to part 200 to find out what happens then. Anyway, so eventually Jeremiah is kept safe, whereas his countrymen are not. Now, Really, what, what is Jeremiah doing here? He's crying out to God in the midst of all of this. And Jeremiah's hope is that God hears him. Jeremiah's hope that God sees the individual in the midst of the nation. I puzzle over this because I read in Matthew 25, Jesus says that he will assemble the nations and judge them. And there's a national judgment. There's a sense in which we're all part of a nation. And, and you can have an attitude that says, well, you know, I, I'm just a a believer in Christ, and I don't care for politics, so I'm just not interested in the politics. I'm just going to read my Bible, pray, try and do a little bit of witnessing on the side, and look after my family, and that's about it. And you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get... That is not a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. The biblical worldview is if you see someone beaten on the side of the road, you don't walk around them. The biblical worldview is that we are here to be salt and light and to bless. We are to be a prophetic voice. That's the biblical worldview. So we have a role in the nation. But what is Jeremiah asking God? He's saying, Lord, you're going to judge my nation. You're going to judge the whole nation. But Lord, I'm serving you. I haven't, he says, I, I haven't borrowed money that I haven't repaid. I haven't lent money that I'm demanding high interest on. I'm neither a debtor or a creditor. And yet these people are angry at me as if I were. Why? Because I'm giving them the word of the Lord. I'm giving them the word of the Lord. Now, for some people, I know that they're going to hear this and they're going to confuse substance with style. And the substance of what Jeremiah had to say was pretty heavy. The style in which he gave it was tears. And one of the fears I have for how I minister the word of God is, yeah, I can tick all the boxes on the substance style, the substance part of the equation, but sometimes my style is not God-honoring. And I want to grow in that. And Jeremiah's style was to plead with people with tears running down his face. Interesting thought this week, closing chapters of the book of revelation it says ultimately when all this is over and we all stand before god we're going to stand before god who will wipe every tear from our eyes not around the eye not on the cheek but from the eye itself do you let anybody touch your eye how sensitive will god be to his people individual people that he'll wipe tears from the eye. Profound. 
So really we know that God does see the individual in the midst of the nation. We're reading verse 13. Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil without price for all your sins throughout all your territory. Isn't this irony? The very thing that Judah had been trusting in was their wealth, their pride of life. And, and God says, that's the very thing that will go. So the very object of Jeremiah's opponent's trust, their wealth, God declares, would be taken from them. Verse 14, I will make you serve your enemies in a land, this is God speaking to the people, uh, that you do not know, for in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. So this is a very interesting response from God. He continues to use Jeremiah, continues to have Jeremiah become busy. Oftentimes, when you're, when you're in a low patch, do we call it depression? Do we call it really, really sad? One of the, if you have a look at the, 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 the marks on the middle of the tunnel, I wonder if inactivity and idleness is, is kind of on the walls there. In other words, when you're really busy and you're active, it's very hard to get too down. Now, that's not an argument for being a workaholic or working too hard, but it is something that mankind, we people, are created to work. We are created to be productive, not to be idle. Just a thought as well. So Judah was, was trusting in their land. We read in uh, verse 14 that, that they will serve, uh, I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. So the very thing that they were trusting in, their land, was going to be taken from them. And Judah was going, well, I'll be okay because I'm a Jew. And God's going, Romans chapter 2, you read Romans chapter 2, he who is a Jew outwardly is not a Jew at all. A Jew is one who is a Jew inwardly, has, got the, has had their heart circumcised, not just their flesh, flesh. So <clears throat> Jeremiah 15, 15, O Lord, you know, remember and visit me. So, so here's this interesting conversation going on between Jeremiah and God. Oh Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake, I, boy, hear the personal pronouns, I, me. Know that for your sake, I bear reproach. So here's Jeremiah pleading with God. Listen to me, remember me. He appeals to the Lord, please consider me as an individual in this. I've been prophesying that you're going to bring national judgment. I'm a part of this nation, God. And God is saying, I'll keep you. I will keep you. And Jeremiah just wants a little bit of reassurance at this point. Now, in the midst of Jeremiah's down period, notice what he records here upon reflection of this point in his life. And this is what I've noticed when I am down and when I am under attack, my devotion to the word of God grows slack. That's what I found. I don't know what your story is, but Jeremiah had to fight to get back into God's word. And this is what he says in verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy. So in the midst of utter weariness, Jeremiah found strength from the word of God. And that's what I want to do too. And as I've been reading the story of Bonhoeffer, I read of Bonhoeffer who knew that he was going to be facing 
certain death. And he was reading reports each day of how the SS were committing atrocities. And he was opening his Bible. He was praying, oh, God, speak to me. And God would just take the text of the page, you know, from the pages of the Bible and speak to him right then, right there. Please, and I wrote about this in this week's e-news, about we don't just read the Bible, we feed on the Bible. We take the Bible for what it has said, but what it is saying. And Jeremiah says that he, uh, uh, your words were found and I ate them. Can we eat this word? I encourage you, if you're, if you're just a bitsy Bible reader, become a book Bible reader. So Jeremiah drew strength in the midst of his utter weakness from the word of God. Verse 17. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was heavy upon me. Notice this. You know, we ask the question, what does a mature believer look like? Well, a mature believer does not look like those in the world. At least does not look like those in the world. In other words, if you met somebody who claimed to be a mature believer and they told you, and you've known them for a little while, and they told you, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian. You go, you are? Chances are, you, they're not a mature believer. In other words, if, if you tell someone you're a Christian and they're shocked, you've got a good indication that where you think you are is not where others see you as. You know, it's like, like if, if you tell people I'm a Christian and they go, yeah, I thought there was something strange about you. I thought there was something weird about you. You, you don't swear like we, we, we go to the pub, you have orange juice. You're different. You're distinct. That's what you should be hearing, that kind of stuff. And if you're going to be a faithful witness of Christ, you're going to be different. And Jeremiah is saying, I didn't associate with these people. I lived distinctly. I was not a part of the revel, the revelry. I sat alone. And that might mean that. You know, if, you, if you're going to follow Christ, it might mean you can't follow the crowd. But sometimes as Christians, you, you feel as out of place as a bucket of milk under a bull. And it's, it's, it's just... <laughs> your lot verse 18 why is my pain unceasing my wound incurable refusing to be healed will you be to me like a deceitful brook like waters that fail now, this is really jeremiah's complaint and i think we've covered the fact that jeremiah's in a low place he's now doing something and i want to point out three things three things that i see here in answer to this question because notice that verse 18, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Sounds like he's disappointed with God, doesn't it? It sounds like Jeremiah has a complaint against God. So here's the question. How do you lodge a complaint against God? Here's three things. Number one, notice that Jeremiah is praying this. James 5.13 says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. So how do you complain to God? In private prayer. Now, this might sound a little bit defensive, but when Paul was knocked off, or Saul as he was then, was knocked off his horse, and the Lord said, why are you persecuting me? Saul hadn't been persecuting Christ, he'd been persecuting the church. So we've got to be really careful that when we're complaining about God's people, that you've got to understand God takes that very kind of close to heart. And Jeremiah's complaint was a private complaint. First thing, make your prayer a private prayer. 
your complaint a private prayer. Secondly, Jeremiah is really not complaining to have a go at God. He's actually crying out for help. In the midst of his despair, he wants God to be the very things that he's complaining about. He wants God to be his healer. He wants God to be like a refreshing brook of water. So really, make your complaint a cry for help. Oh God, it's not fair that you haven't healed me. Okay, It's a complaint. Oh God, I'm looking to you for my healing. That's a cry for help. The third thing Jeremiah did was, whether he realised it or not, he now had to brace himself for how God was going to answer. And that's what we're going to look at, how God answered. And God shocked him, shocked him with his answer. But nonetheless, when you cry out to God in complaint, God answers. God's the God who answers. So here's the challenge. Perhaps... You've allowed compromise into your life. The words you speak, what you've allowed into your mouth, is not just as what comes out of your mouth. Perhaps you've been drawing water from, as Jeremiah told the people, from cisterns that, that just don't hold water. Maybe it's time for us to draw water from God, to come to him in prayer and his word and delight ourselves in his word and eat his word and maybe we've gone one degree off and we need to come back and maybe your witness has not been as distinct as it should be let's pray father i pray for everyone here now lord in the midst of whatever complaint or need or request they have of you and however they've expressed their disappointment to you for not satisfying that need i pray that you would indeed be a healing refreshing saving delivering god and if there are those listening to me right now and you've never given your life to christ you've never come to god and asked him to forgive you it says in romans 5 that christ has died for all those who accept his grace Maybe you've never accepted his grace, his grace of forgiveness and salvation. You don't get it automatically. You need to receive it. And if that's you, it's a prayer of, it's a, it's a prayer of confession, a prayer of asking God to forgive you. It sounds something like this. Oh, God, please forgive me for what I've done. Help me to live for you. Guide me by your spirit, I pray. Amen. A prayer like that can change your life now and for eternity. And now, Father, I pray for us, the church, that we will all be committed to growing spiritually and deepening our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we've heard Jeremiah lodge his complaint with God. Any of that sound familiar? 
Next week, we'll see how God responds. More from Dr. Corbett on Jeremiah next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Jeremiah Part 38, Lodging a Complaint with God, are available by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277, or via the website findingtruthmatters.org. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.